The old town of Prague is a pretty amazing place. All too often in the past, it's been home to hordes of tourists. However, recent events have reduced the number of tourists, and there's never been a better time for locals to see what's there in Old Town. Welcome to another tour episode of Prague Times. This is designed for you to listen along as you walk the routes, or if you want, you could follow along using Google Maps Street View, or check out our YouTube channel where you can see pictures of the things that are talked about. This tour episode is sponsored by our friends at Venue Cafe on Havelska 4. Fortuitously, this tour ends right near it. We've already done one Old Town tour episode, and this is a second one called 10 More Tales of Old Town. A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location, it's a history, it's a culture, it's ideas and ideals, and a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. This is a standalone tour that starts in front of the Estates Theatre. However, since the last tour episode ended in front of the Estates Theatre, you could in fact listen to the two of them together for one long tour. At any rate, we start in front of the Estates Theatre, and for information on the Estates Theatre and the creepy sculpture off to the left of the main entrance, listen to the previous tour episode. If you aren't there, go there now. So, facing the theatre, you're going to go past the theatre on its left side, and you're going to get to Ovocny Turk 3. Basically, it's the first building. There's a fountain, and then there's the first sort of building and a courtyard with a fence in front of it on your left. That is the Carolinium, and the story is the veil given twice for love. So the building itself is Charles University. Charles University is one of the oldest universities in Europe. It's named after Charles IV, who founded it in the 14th century when he was king of Bohemia and Holy Roman Emperor and moved the capital of the empire here to Prague. These structures were built by his son, King Wenceslas IV. Not the greatest guy in the world, but he did do a couple of good things. And it became the seat of the university. But before King Wenceslas IV bought it, it was the site of a story of luck and love. During the reign of Charles IV, a man named Rodlev lived in Prague. He had a gold mine that made him very, very rich, but then it started drying up, so to speak. He was convinced there were still precious metals to be found in there, and he kept selling things off, first bits of property, then bits of furniture, clothing, jewelry, and so on, to keep paying the miners to keep working and looking and looking and looking. But he remained this kind of eternal optimist. Every night, he had a vision of a pile of gold hovering in the air, and he just knew there was something in there, but nothing was coming out. Finally, he ran out of stuff to hawk, and he lamented to his wife, if only we had something else to sell, if we could work one more week, I know we would find gold. So she went and got her gold-embroidered wedding veil, the very last valuable object they owned. He refused. They loved each other deeply, and he could not bear 
for her to make this sacrifice. She said, please sell it. You gave it to me once for love and now I give it back to you, also for love. So reluctantly, he sold it to a pawnbroker and with the money he paid the workers for one last week of digging. On the fourth day, they struck a rich vein of gold deep inside the mine. His vision had come true and he was saved. The very first thing he did was buy back his wife's veil. This new vein was even more lucrative than what they'd found before, so he became even richer. The story got around and people started calling it the Wedding Veil Mine. He built a magnificent house for his wife here on Ovoznitrch, the old fruit market, and that's the building that King Wenceslas IV bought to become the seat of Charles University, which it still is today. Okay, now walk down Oversnitherk, away from the Estates Theater. It'll narrow out, and at the very end, on the left, you will see a large, very unusual-looking building at Oversnitherk 19. This building is the House of the Black Madonna. So it's, it's now considered one of the finest examples of Cubist architecture in all of Prague. It was designed by Josef Gochar in 1911-1912 as a department store for the merchant Josef Herbst. And that was actually over a much older building that makes up the core of the building. Today it houses the Czech Museum of Cubism as well as the Cubist Grand Café Orient. The name, the House of the Black Madonna, comes from a Baroque sculpture of the Black Madonna over on the corner with Selitna that's been part of the building for centuries. Black Madonnas are pretty interesting. Only about 500 of them have ever been found, either as sculptures or paintings, mainly in the Mediterranean. They're depictions of the Virgin Mary, except that she is black. There was a somewhat underground cult of the Black Madonna that lived a kind of a shadowy existence for several centuries. Now, why black? Some people say simply because of the materials used. Over time, they became black. Others think it was done on purpose. They cite a passage from Solomon's Song of Songs 1-5, Dark, I am yet lovely. Others say that this was a way to sneak in earlier pre-Christian Mithraic cults, keeping them kind of alive because they had goddess worship dating all the way back to ancient Egypt. So maybe it was a way to kind of marry Christianity and these pagan cults. Alchemists took the Black Madonna to be a symbol for the negretto phase of the alchemical process. In any case, the Black Madonna represents rebirth, generation, and creation as often associated with miracles. There's one story that says there was a fire in this building back before it became a Cubist building, and everything was burned except the wall that had the black Madonna on it, which was untouched by flame. A miracle. This Madonna here in Prague is known as the Madonna of Breznica. It's one of the more famous ones, actually. Okay, now you're going to go right on Selitna and you're going to head towards the Powder Tower. Pass the Powder Tower on its right side and then turn right on the main shopping street there, Napchikopia. Follow that along until you get to Havirska. Uh, there's a Zara right there on the corner, kind of an open bit area. Go right and then take the very first left onto Provoznitska, which feels kind of like a back alley, but it's totally safe. Follow that until you see on the right the next location at Provoznitska 3, the rope maker's wife. So this is a pub named at the Rope Makers on a street that is named Rope Makers Street. This is because there's a very famous story about this place about a rope maker. This is also one of the most haunted pubs in all of Europe. So way back when the building was owned by a rope maker, 
And apparently his wife was super, super beautiful. He's a rope maker. He makes ropes. So he got a job working in Amsterdam in the shipping industry. Lots of ropes to make. He was going to make a ton of money, but he was needed to be away for years in order to do this. So he left her the pub to run so she wouldn't be too bored while he was gone. Well, where got out, a really beautiful woman was running a pub and it became a very popular place. So when he finally returned flush with cash, he was very pleasantly surprised to find out that she had also made quite a bit of money while he'd been away. But, you know, tongues wag and rumors started circulating about how it is she'd been so successful. You know, she'd given extras, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, to favorite regulars, so people said. Well, the rope maker just couldn't get these stories out of his head, and he began to become consumed with jealousy. She, of course, denied the allegations, but he heard more and more rumors, and the more he heard, the deeper he went into a jealous madness. One night, he had enough. He made a special rope and called his wife down to join him in the cellar. He confronted her a final time. She denied it, so he strangled her to death with the rope that he'd made just for this purpose. It said her ghost haunts the pub at night after closing time, and she will never find peace until she heals all souls that are unhappy because of love. And the employees who work in this pub swear there really is a ghost. They say doors lock and slam shut, things move around by themselves. After they close at night, you can hear things being moved around even though there's nobody in there. People walking by swear they see a shadowy figure wandering from room to room. The interior is kind of a blast. There's a painting of her topless, and there's a big wooden bust of her bust. And if you rub her breasts, legend says, you will always be told the truth by the person you love. The interior, when it was renovated, has been decorated with all of these crazy sort of faux medieval characters with enormous engorged phalluses with spikes through them, lit matches on the end. It's kind of a weird, almost erotic pagan temple. There was even a famous comic book made about the rope maker's wife's story, and you can see those on the pub's website. While you're in there, you might as well have a beer. It's one of the best ones in town. It's in the center, and yet the prices are very, very reasonable. It's kind of a little hidden gem. Now, when you leave, go right just a few steps. You'll see the Moostek Metro Station. Go down the steps, and then straight ahead, when you get down to the floor there, you'll see the next place, the Little Bridge. So, for generations, this whole area was known as Moostek, which means Little Bridge. But nobody could really remember why. They just knew that it was called Moostek. Now, the street that you walked onto after you left the powder tower, Napsikopia, that runs from Namasid Republiki to Václavák, that means on the moat, and it really was a moat. You're in Old Town, but on the other side of that street was New Town. And sometimes, when Old Town and New Town were getting along so well, they build up the walls and fill in the moat with water and glare at one another. And then they would get along, and they would drain the moat, and then they would take down the walls. In 1974, the Soviets came into Prague to build the metro system, and the Mustek station you're in was open in 1978. Now, while excavating for the metro in there, workers uncovered the remains of an old medieval stone bridge, a little one that was used to cross the moat. That's what you're looking at. And that's why the area was known as Little Bridge, because it was, in fact, a little bridge that over the years the city built up around it and it got buried. The name stuck, even though people had completely forgotten the bridge was there. 
Now go back up the stairs, hang a left, and then go left again so that you're basically at the foot of Wenceslas Square. If the museum, which is way down to the end straight ahead, is 12 o'clock, you're going to go about 1 or 2 o'clock. There's a, a big, it looks like a modern building, but it's actually a functionalist building from back in the, in the teens or 20s. And you're going to take this kind of narrow passageway onto Jungmanovo Namiesti. You're going to go behind the buildings that are on Wenceslas Square. So take the little passage and then go left and go all the way down to the end and you'll see the next place, the Cubist Lamp Post. This was designed by architect Emil Kralicek, and it was uh, supposed to be a complement to a pharmacy that he'd built in 1912-1913, which was also Cubist. Some critics didn't like it. Some thought it was just a cheap advertisement for the nearby pub Upinkasu because the bottom part looks kind of like beer barrels when it's lit up at night. Kralicek swore that was an accident. Today, it is seen as sort of a masterpiece of its type, and it has the distinction of being the only Cubist lamppost in the world. Now, turn right and walk a few steps until you see Upinkasu, which I just mentioned. This is on Jungmanova Namiesti 1516. So, this place is a very important place in Czech cultural history. This used to be a tailor's shop run by a guy named Jakub Pinkas. In 1843, a friend of his who worked at the Burgers Brewery in Pilsen, named Martin Salzmann, showed up with two buckets of this amazing new beer that they had just brewed. Beer's been around since ancient Egypt, and most cultures have some nickname for it, calling it some form of liquid bread or Czech bread, they call it here. And one of the reasons is, is because it was always very, very cloudy and very thick. But a brewmaster was brought into Pilsen to experiment and do different kinds of things. He was Bavarian, not Czech, but we don't really talk about that very much. So, shh. Anyway, he created the modern lager, which is what all beer today basically looks like. So here comes Martin, bringing some of this beer to his friend. They taste it. They said, oh my God, this is amazing. There's going to be a huge, huge market for this. So Pinkas closes down his tailor's shop, reopens it as a pub, and this is the pub where the very first Pilsner Urquell, the very first modern beer, was ever sold to the public. It was so successful, he bought the house next door in 1876, which included deep cellars so he could store the beer down there at the optimal temperature. And over the years, it's been the haunt of pretty much anybody who's anybody in Czech history. Bohemil Hrabal, is there a pub he didn't hang out in? Well, he certainly hung out here a lot. Huge amounts of beer flows through this taps. They estimate over 100 pints a day. That's what their website says. I'm convinced it's way more than that. Because when I go in, I have like five. If you go down the steps, you can see the very first tap that sold the very first beers of this type to the public. You'll also see some pictures along the stairway. This is of the Pinkas Nightmare, or Pinkas Nochni Mura. This is a competition in which waiters attempt to carry 10 full pints from the cellar all the way up to the top floor without spilling any. If they succeed, they get a certificate. There's a beer garden behind this as well, which is kind of an amazing beer garden, right behind the pub in the former yard of the church for Our Lady of the Snows. And if you go in there, you'll have really super great fresh beer, and you'll notice that the old wall for the churchyard has been incorporated into the backside of the buildings. So have another beer. All right. 
leave Upinkasu, take a left, and keep walking until the square kind of opens up. You'll see a statue of a guy sitting down. That's Josef Jungmann, and it's Jungmannovonomisti. Now, just off to the left is a sort of a plain archway. Doesn't look like much. Go through that thing, follow the little path around, go to the left, and you will come to the Franciscan Gardens. Tucked away here behind Wenceslas Square is this peaceful little 14th century garden. The pads are all separated by yew hedges, there's a gazebo, a children's play area, several benches to relax on, and a truly creepy drinking fountain. This was originally an herb garden for Franciscans and Carmelites who were associated with the Church of Our Lady of Snows, which walk out into the gardens and look. It's the big church that's sticking up there that Upinkasu is next to on the other side. This church was actually supposed to be a second cathedral, but they ran out of money partway through building it and stopped. And that's why it's so darn tall. Now you can actually continue through the gardens and you come out in Passage Sviatozor and the middle of Wenceslas Square and all that stuff. But that's all in Newtown and we're mainly interested in stuff either on or right next to Old Town. So turn around and go back out the way you came. Go back to the statue of Jungmann and it looks like he's looking at the next location, an incredibly unusual looking building called Palaz Adria at Jungmannova 31. This building just might be the finest example of what used to be known as the national style. Today it's called Rondo Cubism. It is a rounded geometric style of architectural ornamentation and it is wholly unique to the Czech lands. No other country does this. This is kind of how Art Deco expressed itself here. Again, there's another older building as the core, but in 1924, the current facade was commissioned by the Italian insurance company, Reunione Adratica Siscurta. The place was designed by Josef Zach and Pavel Janak. Now, the exterior is supposed to evoke kind of in its uh, shape a Venetian palace, but the outside is covered in this Rondo Cubist ornamentation. If you go inside, you'll see one of the only Art Deco era zodiac clocks in the world. There's also the very famous theater, Divadlo Bez Zabradli, and one of the places that during the Velvet Revolution, Václav Havel and members of Civic Forum ran the revolution from. It's also got kind of an awesome Art Deco chandelier just outside the theater. Okay, so go out the building to Narodnitschida, sort of the main street there. Not Jungmanova, but the other exit. Cross Narodnitschida, or National Avenue, and turn left so that you're walking down the right side of Narodny as you're heading towards the National Theater and the river. Walk down a bit and you'll see a narrow passageway, kind of just across the street from the Chicago building. Not the passageway that goes into the Platish Courtyard, but the one just past that. Walk through that, you'll see an old church on the left. Walk along the side of the church until you get to the corner, and then then turn around and look up at the church and at that corner. There you will see the petrified boy. So the church is the Church of St. Martin of the Wall. It's one of the oldest churches in Prague. Originally, there was a Romanesque temple there built in 1178, and then it actually got incorporated into the Old Town defensive walls in the 13th century, which is why it's called St. Martin of the Wall. In the 14th and 15th centuries, they expanded the church. Some of the very first ribbed vaults in Central Europe were built in this church. And in 1414, a Hussite priest and follower of Jan Hus, named Jan of Hradec, was the very first priest 
priest to give Holy Communion, quote, in both kinds to the public, meaning not only the bread, but also the wine. Tradition at the time held that the wine was reserved strictly for priests. It was because of things like this that Jan Hus got himself in trouble. He would be arrested later that year and executed the following year. So nice going, Jan of Raditz. Anyway, what we're here to see is actually up on the roof in the northeast corner. There's a, a weird little gargoyle of a small boy making a face. He's got his fingers in his mouth and he's pulling his mouth aside and he's going and sticking out his tongue. So the legend goes like this. Poor street urchins would often steal eggs from pigeons so they could eat them. One day, one of these kids was up there and he was loudly taunting other kids, I guess because they got a bunch of eggs. A man was walking by wearing a long black cloak and he told the boy to stop shouting. The kid made this face at the stranger and the stranger stared at him and the boy turned to stone. There is another version of the story that says there was a priest giving last rites because it used to be surrounded by a cemetery, that church, and the boy was making fun of the priest and God turned him to stone as a punishment. The more interesting question, of course, is since both of these are clearly not true, and in fact, the gargoyle is, I don't even think it's two feet long, so this would have been a strangely stunted child. So the real question is, who sculpted that gargoyle and why? All right, so turn around and follow the small little street. Martinska basically curves here at the street and go up to the square, which is Uchleni Turk, which is the old coal market. As you enter from this corner of the square, cross it, and you'll see a couple of narrow streets. The very first one is called Vkotsich, and that's the one you want to go down. That's where our last location is, the ring inside the fish. So, somewhere on this street, Vkotsich, a rich noblewoman once lived. She owned several shops on the next street over, which is where the Havelska market is, and in the surrounding streets. She was very intelligent and quite shrewd in business, but she was also very proud and very miserly, two qualities Czech people are not huge fans of. One day, as she was crossing the Charles Bridge, a poor beggar woman asked her for some money. The noblewoman insulted her, so the old lady said, you will be exactly where I am in one year. So the noble woman told her coachman to stop. She stepped down. She took an expensive ring off her finger, looked like she was going to give it to the beggar woman, and then threw it in the river. Some people have good fortune while others have bad fortune. That's just the way of things, said the noble woman, got back in her carriage, and drove off in a huff. A few months later, the rich woman was having a banquet at her house, and one of the dishes was baked fish. As she cut into the fish, her knife hit something hard, so she reached in and pulled it out, and it was that ring, the ring that she'd thrown over the bridge into the river in mockery. Apparently, the fish had swallowed it. Then a fisherman had caught the fish, brought it to market, and one of her maids bought the fish and brought it and cooked it. What a strange series of events! From that very evening, she suffered a run of very, very bad luck. Wagons with her goods were attacked and robbed. She lost money in a really bad business deal. And her house was struck by lightning and burned down with all of her goods and possessions inside. She had lost everything. And so now she had no choice but to go to the Charles Bridge where the beggars were and join them. The old lady who she had mocked had been right. And that's the tour. 
This episode has been sponsored by Venue, a great little cafe on Havelska 4, which is literally the next street over. So just walk around the corner to Havelska 4, pop on in, say hi, have a coffee, relax, take a look at all the cool pictures you just took, and talk about the very interesting tales in Prague's Old Town. Keep in mind, between this tour and the previous one, that's 20 stories all told. But there are many, many more in Old Town. Strike out on your own and see if you can find some of them. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times. <laughs>